Thanks for tuning in to the meditation conversation. Hop on over to karagoodwin.com. You can get a free 10-minute guided meditation right on the homepage to help you experience deep levels of peace. I also have lots of resources to learn meditation and to support your practice. And of course, by supporting those services, you are supporting my work, including the production of this very podcast to assist more souls on their path to awakening. Thank you for your support and enjoy this episode. Hi, so this is my interview with Barbara Lamb and I have split this up into two parts. We have some amazing content here. Barbara is a legend. She is a pioneer in her field um, or has been a pioneer in, uh, in, in a, what has over time become a growing field. Um, but it was such a delight to connect with her and we get on a lot of different topics. And so I've chosen to split this episode into two, um, to, you, you may want to give yourself a little break in between each, uh, part just to kind of let things integrate. Um, I could feel, uh, when she was speaking some activations, particularly in the heart. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to, Um, kind of take your time with it if you need to. Um, Otherwise, blast right through it if that's more appropriate for you. Um, But anyway, here we are. Enjoy part one with Barbara Lamb. Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin. And today I am delighted and honored to be joined by Barbara Lamb. Barbara is a UFO researcher, and she's worked with with thousands of experiencers of ET encounters as a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, and regression therapist. She's also an author and has authored or co-authored books such as Meet the Hybrids, Alien Experiences, and Crop Circles Revealed. So it really is such an honor. Thank you so much for being here, Barbara. Well, you're very welcome. I'm delighted to be with you. And very quickly, I would like to add in that uh, there's a fourth book. Is there? Like mentioned, and that's a book for children about children's extraterrestrial experiences. So I think it's the only book in the world of its kind. And it's wonderful. It's full of illustrations and about um, different kinds of things that children whom I have worked with um, find in their extraterrestrial encounters. Wow. So we've got about 21 different kinds of encounters and different kinds of beings, uh, all illustrated fully um, by an artist uh, from descriptions from these children. So that book I like to have people know about because if... Um, if there's any idea that maybe an adult's child is talking about being visited at night by unusual beings or, uh, you know, giving lots of hints that these sorts of encounters are happening, and the adult usually doesn't, in many cases, uh, doesn't know anything about this. So they tend to wave it off and say, Oh, you have a wonderful imagination. Yeah. That must be your imaginary friend. A lot of adults have heard of that. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyway, if the adult sits down with the child and they look at and read this book, there's not much written text. It's mostly captions under the pictures. We let the pictures tell the story, tell about these different beings and different kinds of encounters. So if the adult is sharing that with the child, that can really open up conversations between the adult and the child. And the child, very often, we've tested it out with children. Some children have had no experiences with this sort of thing at all. And that just starts a very interesting discussion between the child and the parent or grandparent or babysitter or whomever might be looking at the book with the child. Um, And sometimes the children who have had ET encounters, the child would say, oh, look at that. Yeah, I that's the kind that used to come into my room at night or is still. Wow. Yeah, every now and then that one comes in. And and that one, too, I know that somehow I know that one. Wow. You know, so that really opens up the child's awareness and gets some validation for the child. I think that's extremely important. Absolutely. Because usually nobody believes the child. Mm-hmm. The child t- tries to speak about this. And then it opens up a whole line of communication between the child and the adult. That's beautiful. Reading this with the child. So anyway, we, we think um, it's, it's a real service uh, that there is this book. So the name of the book and it's available easily on Amazon, uh-huh. a hardcover version and a soft cover version and a Kindle version. So it's kind of a long title, but it's Kids Adventures with E.T. Friends in Space. Ooh. Kids Adventures with E.T. Friends in Space. So if anybody wanted to just sort of look it up. Um, on Amazon, you could just type in ET Friends. Okay. And that would most likely take you right to it. Yeah. Uh, so that's um, that's super that's cool. Newest venture. Yeah. In uh, 2020. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for alerting us to that. That's that like you say, I mean, what a what a beautiful tool that, yeah. that can be because that's one of the things where you know, and, and we'll talk about this with your work because it's so much of it is um, working with the subconscious because we can't, we don't hold the memories in our conscious mind or, yeah. you know, or we've been, you know, potentially tried to share it and it's been, you know, oh, that must've been a dream, or, uh, yes. you know? And so it's like, oh, okay, I guess it's not possible. So it must've been something else. And right. Anything, but reality right so it's taken probably all of us um adults teenagers children uh it's taken us quite a while to get used to the fact that there is this sort of thing happening for many many people not for everybody for sure but but many people are having extraterrestrial encounters and have had extraterrestrial encounters so it seems to be a lifelong um, association shall we say Mm. between a person 
and the beings yeah. who come visit and take the person away for various experiences. Yeah. And, you know, it's been so clandestine in the sense, I don't mean that in a, a negative way, really, but um, the beings have, um, all of them, it seems, have made real attempts to have the person not disturbed by the beings coming and removing them for an hour or two, which is typical mm -hmm. of this sort of thing. And um, so they, they do whatever they can to have the person not be aware or anybody with the person not be aware. And it's so amazing to me the effects that they can render. Uh, so when they come to a person who's in close proximity, even in the same bed as somebody else, uh, that other person is what we call switched off. Mm -hmm. And that they are just made to, they're perfectly okay, but they're just made to be out of conscious awareness. Again, they're not harmed in any way, but uh, they they um, just have no conscious awareness of what's going on in the room. And so the person seems to be very deeply asleep and unable to be awakened. And then, of course, the person being visited um, very often is made to be totally not aware of it. But with many, many people, they have just a few moments of awareness that there are other beings in the room and aware that they cannot move and they cannot call out. But even if they could, the person in the room with them or even in the bed with them um, would not respond because they're just so deeply out of conscious awareness during that time. And then when the person is returned again, which might be an hour, hour and a half, or two hours, uh, that person usually is aware, oh, I'm back, I've been gone somewhere, and I'm back in bed. And then the other person in the bed might kind of turn over or wake up. And, I mean, of course, it's usually the middle of the night, so they don't have much of a conversation. All right. So there are many children um, whom I have worked with. I have regressed, or, or they've been adults when I've regressed them back to a childhood experience. And very often there's a brother or a sister sleeping somewhere in the room, maybe in another bed. Um, and that one is completely unaware that anything has happened. But the one who experiences it might be aware for just several moments, maybe at the longest, a full minute. Mm -hmm. And so some people wake up and 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 they're they have a sense, often a sense of presence in the room. And then they'll open their eyes further and really look around. And then they will see beings. Might be one or two or three beings. And then if they're still conscious to some extent, um, they're aware that they cannot move. That that's kind of frightening for people. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it turns out to not be bad and there's a purpose for it, but it can be frightening for a person. And then very typically, they feel themselves rising up in the air. In other words, they're being levitated, floated up over the bed. And then if they're still consciously aware, they'll be aware that then they're floated across the room and right through a wall or the ceiling or a closed window. And how the beings can do that. I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows, but but they have ways of doing it. So they too go through the wall or the ceiling or the windows. And then the person might be aware still enough to realize that they're moving through the air. Hmm. And so usually that's about as far as they get in their conscious awareness of these experiences. But in regression, when somebody wants to know what happened at age six or age 49 or whatever, there are little clues that they remember that make them wonder. Mm-hmm. And um, when we do a regression to one of those experiences, then every single detail of that experience from the very first moment of waking up and being aware of right through the entire experience, all of that comes up. Wow. So when I do a regression with a person, I suggest to the person that he or she is back there in time at that experience that they had been wondering about. They might have a few clues of that mm, something mysterious happened that I wonder, I don't think that was. You know, so um we'll go back to that time as if they are there now, as if they are the six-year-old child or the 49-year-old adult or whatever. Um, So it's like they're reliving it here and now rather than looking back on it. And I think that I have found that that is very, very important because um, if you you have the sense that you're reliving it moment by moment and you don't know what's ahead, you don't know what the next moments will be, um, it seems much more authentic and we get much more detail than if we're looking back and talking about something that happened in the past. So I always use that method and remind them, you are there right now. You are six years old or 49 years old or whatever. Yeah. Whatever age of the experience we've gone back to. So we go right through the first moment of awareness of something peculiar happening, right through the whole experience. And I feel that my function is to keep, well, to accompany them in a way. And very often, almost every time I feel like I am there in that experience and it's happening now. And do they feel like you're there too? Do they ever make comments about that? Yes. Yeah. Or they'll make comments later like, oh, thank goodness you were there with me. Oh. Really felt you there with me. And I'd say, well, I felt that too. Wow. I, I was certainly feeling like I was there. And depending, of course, on their description of everything. 
Mm-hmm. So my function largely is to accompany them, guide them, keep the experience going, and primarily to ask questions of them, like, what's happening now? Or what do you see now? Okay, is there anybody else in the room with you? Um, Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're thinking. And so we get a lot of detail. Uh, if, If the person finds himself on a like a cold hard table which often happens on what seems to be in what seems to be a round walled room a curved wall i have them describe the room that they find themselves in mm-hmm. been taken onto the ship and um they'll usually say oh it's very very light it's very very bright. And I'd say, well, notice where the light is coming from. And they'll say, well, I don't see where it's coming from. It's just very, very bright. And they say, well, what does the room seem like? I mean, does it seem a small room, medium, large room? And they'll describe whatever they find themselves to be in. And I'll say, what about the shape of the room? And they'll say, well, that's weird. I hadn't noticed that before, but there are no corners. Hmm. No, no edge where the wall meets the ceiling. It just seems to be sort of curved. Every everything is curved. And then I'll say, "Is there anybody in this room with you?" And they'll say, "Oh yes, there are two beings over to my the left side of of me on the bed, and there are three on the right side." And I say, "Oh okay, well." Would you describe those? I mean, because at that point, I don't know whether they're people or extraterrestrials right. or whatever. They always turn out to be extraterrestrials uh-huh. in these cases. But uh, so they'll describe them. There's usually a variety of beings around the table. Hmm. Some of them seem to be more uh, medically interested in them and will seem to be giving them a medical checkup sort of thing. Now, the person might not like being sort of examined, poked, and probed, as they say, uh, but when they realize that it's, oh, yeah, it's it's just it's kind of like my doctor back at home. They see, Apparently, they're checking my body. And if the beings are doing something Uh, that the person is really wondering about with their body, the person's body. Um, I'll say, well, you can ask them. And they'll say, really? And I'll say, yes, you can ask them out loud, what are you doing? Or, Or you can ask in your mind. And they will pick up your thoughts. Usually they ask in their minds. And then they get an answer. And I tell them, okay, ask in your mind, and then just be receptive to whatever they might tell you. So they give a message back telepathically in the person's mind. And the person will repeat that to me. Like, for instance, the beings might say, "Um, we are checking your body to see if there's anything going wrong or they might say 
oh, well, we've been checking your liver and we detect that there's a problem with your liver. Mm. Therefore, when you go home again, we encourage you to go to your own human doctor and to ask him to check your liver because we know there's a problem there and apparently you have not discovered that yet. So often warn the person about something going on, which I think is a very helpful thing. And the person who's experiencing this will usually consciously not remember the details of this experience after the first few moments of the beings being in the room with them. However, they will subconsciously remember to call their doctor and ask for a checkup. Mm. And say, you know, I just sort of, for the first time, I'm I'm aware of my liver. They don't consciously remember that they were on the ship and the beings told them to have the doctor check their liver, but they're just inspired after they get back. Uh, Mm. It's a subconscious reminder, I think. Yeah. Uh, call the doctor and ask to have their liver checked. And sure enough, in cases that I've worked with, uh, when that sort of thing has happened, the person finds out, indeed, yes, they do have a problem mm. with whatever the liver or whatever the problem was that the extraterrestrials have picked up on. So that happens a lot. And another thing that I think is even much more wonderful by far is that if the beings find something going wrong in the person's body when they're in one of these medical checkups on board the the UFO, um, they will just go right ahead and heal it right then and there. So people, um, well, gosh, I've worked with, oh, at least 2,000 people and some of them quite a number of times. So it's almost 5,000 regressions now wow. since 1991 wow. um, that I've done with people who experience these things. And um, so many of them have described different forms of healing. It usually involves some kind of light. Might be an overall light that is beaming down on them as they're on a medical table. It might be like a rod, like almost like a long flashlight with healing light. It might be uh, one woman described uh, as like a rolling pin rolling up over her torso, mm-hmm. a rolling pin of light. Wow. Or emitting light rolling up over her torso and healing her while it went. Uh, Once in a while, they'll be healing from the hands of the beings, as we do our Reiki healers and hands-on healers do here on Earth. Um, Anyway, there are many different methods of being healed by the beings on a ship. So there are some really uh, drastic conditions that some people have been healed of like cancer really and um even uh, terminal cancer patients have been healed by the beings 
on the ship. So I think that's very impressive. And then all kinds of other things. Yeah, so uh, the more we look into it, the more we realize that, oh, there's really a lot to this. Sometimes, very often, in fact, the beings seem to be really helping the person. Mm -hmm. The person, on the other hand, the person lying on the table with these unusual beings around him or her um, might be kind of freaking out. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I can imagine as you're guiding people in these these sessions that you get to that point where you understand, oh, okay, they're helping me. Yes. But there's but that's like after <laughs> a little bit of time. After it really happened. Yeah. So are most how are most people? Are they are they scared when they because you didn't start actually focusing on on ETs in your training. You know, you you didn't know this sort of came about um over time. And now you've done a lot of them, like you said, almost five thousand or around five thousand, but um and we're as a as a humanity, you know, we're kind of evolving for those who are interested in learning about ETs. You know, it, it a lot of times it starts as a frightening thing and then you do start to uncover more and more like actually there's a lot of assistance that we're getting. Yes, I can imagine as a person being regressed that, you know, it, it it's not immediately like, oh, good. I'm being abducted. <laughs> you know? No, no, they usually don't feel that. It's more like, ah, right, right. Being taken away by these very unusual beings. I mean, um, so you see, a, a lot of people have had these experiences with the beings before they ever had heard that there was such a thing mm. as these beings. Now, that's very, very typical. And so with children, it's very interesting because they have very few words for this sort of thing that they'll wake up even as young as when they're in the crib and um, and then all here and there once in a while through childhood. And so after some children are more okay with waking up in the middle of the night and seeing an unusual being there that whom they don't see anywhere else in their lives. Um, and they sometimes give them nicknames like, oh, my Wookiee friend, okay, my Woogie friend, or whatever, you know, the uh -huh. childhood name for them. And um, usually uh, when a child is very young, um, it will be a small being that comes to them, even short enough to look through the rungs of the crib oh. at them, like the... the the very young child will roll over and look toward the side of the crib and then see through the crib. Oh, oh, my little Wookiee friend is, is here. And sometimes those beings seem to come out of the closet. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot. And so we don't know why that is, but uh, some people have suggested that maybe the closet for some reason, is a portal between space and or between our dimension and other dimensions. Because sometimes, many times, these beings seem to be other dimensional. 
Mm. And sometimes the beings are so other dimensional that they they seem to be almost a light form in a kind of a body shape, but just a being emanating light. Mm. Sometimes they seem to be more physical. It's a lot of variety in all of the variety of beings and, yeah. and variety of beings from other dimensions, even beyond the physical dimension. Yeah. That's interesting. You bring up the the closet because a friend of mine, my friend Lily was just saying to me a couple of weeks ago about closets and um, corners. And then you've, you also talked about there aren't any corners when they're, they're on the exam table and they, Oh wait, actually there are no corners. So I feel space. like, yeah, on the spaceship. Right. Um, but have you all, do you also run into that where, where corners, uh, where two walls meet, they emerge from that too? Well, sometimes a person is taken at a corner where two walls meet and where those walls meet the ceiling. It's uh, almost like a triple corner. Okay. And, and I had an experience once when that was the corner that I was taken through. Really? Yeah. And I had never heard of that until I had a regression on me by a colleague and realized that's the way I was taken out. Oh, wow. Was that when you were a child? No, no. It was in 1994 when I was fully adult. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I had actually asked for that experience. Was this with the crop circles? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, if you want to share that story, that's a, remarkable. I would love to hear that story. Okay. Well, 1991 was a really major year for me in my life. And that's when I began working with extraterrestrial experiencers and had about four or five of them suddenly in that one year. Uh, so I was really adjusting to that. And that was also the same year in the summer, 1991, that I began going to England uh, to research the crop circle phenomenon, mm -hmm. to be in as many as I could find and um, experience them, which was wonderful. I did that for 27 years, but I began in 1991. Uh, so in 1994, uh, having been to England for three years at that point, for and knowing that I was going again that summer, 1994, and probably would continue on and on after that, um, one of my experiencer clients who had many extraterrestrial experiences since she was a very little girl, Anyway, she also channeled an extraterrestrial being whom I got to be very conversant with because of many, many times that she channeled this wonderful being. And the being knew that I was very interested in crop circles and would be going to England again. So in the winter of 1994, in one of these channeling sessions, uh, he said, Barbara, if you want to, you can be taken for the making of a crop circle. 
we realize how very fascinated you are and dedicated to researching this and letting people know about it. Uh, So I thought, oh, wow, my goodness, that's really hmm, interesting opportunity, but I don't know what that would involve, you know. And anyway, I thought about it for several months, and about six months later, I was getting ready to go to England for visiting crop circles that summer. And the channeling happened again. And I said, you know, I've been thinking about it all this time. I've gotten through my fear. I just didn't just didn't know what to expect and didn't know if I'd be returned to the right place I'd be staying in. And, you know, I just wasn't really ready to accept that. And but now I feel like it would be okay. How 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 do I help bring this about? And he said, Well, good for you. And, and then he said, You have to talk to them out loud, the beings. You don't know who they are. You won't picture any particular type, but just talk as if you're addressing yourself to the ones, the beings who actually make the crop circles, which validated what I had felt all along, was that they were coming from out there somehow, from some intelligence out there. And so he said, you have to really convince them. You have to talk out loud, keep it going for a while, not just one little sentence, and convince them that you really want to have that experience and you would be honored if they would take you. So when I was driving to Los Angeles airport at that time, and I was on the freeway for about 45 minutes and uh, was talking to the beings out loud, (coughs) not knowing whom I was talking to. But I noticed that as I was talking to them and driving, that I was getting more and more energized, more and more enthused. And I was praising them for making these beautiful patterns and for the way that they were laying down the wheat or whatever the crop was and in such a perfect way, these perfect designs and with special energy in them. And what a a wonder, what a gift to the earth and gift to humanity. And I found that I was going on and on and on, said way more than I had ever expected to say, but it was all very positive and very honoring of them. And then every once in a while, I would say, so if you would take me for the making of a crop circle, I would be extremely grateful and happy. I would honor that so much. So anyway, then I got to the airport and flew to England and forgot about it completely for about three or almost four weeks. And then suddenly the Last night, before the last day of going out and visiting crop circles, I realized as I was getting into bed that, oh my gosh, I don't think I don't think anything like that has happened. I think I might be aware of a little bit of it. And um, so I asked again. And then it, almost immediately, within a minute, I could see three short, beings coming toward me from the area of the window 
they looked like they were the same size, the same shape, sort of bigger heads and little necks and little bodies. And they were coming toward me. And then the next thing I knew, I was out of consciousness. I thought I had slept through the night. And Did you up. consciously remember seeing those three? Or was that through the regression that you could remember that? Um, no, I consciously remembered seeing them. Oh, wow. And nothing after that, uh-huh. after they approached the bed. Okay. And as they approached the bed, I, I lifted my head from the pillow to get a better look at them. I could just see see them as silhouettes because there was some nightlight behind them coming in through the window. No light in the room. And and so when I lifted my head from the pillow, they seemed to, all three of them, just sort of back up a bit. So I put my head back down on the pillow <sighs> and my eyes, pretending to be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and then they they came I could see, I just opened one eye a little tiny bit. I could see that they were advancing toward me again. So I closed that eye and then boom, I didn't know anything till the alarm clock went off a few hours later in the morning. Uh, so I didn't know that that experience had actually happened. However, and I think this is really a wonderful synchronicity, the next morning, I was with a big group of people. We were part of a conference where I was a speaker about crop circles. And um, we got in a big double-decker bus, and we drove, oh, 45, 50 minutes uh, to a place we were going to visit that day. And I was up on the top deck because I, I always wanted to look around and while going along to see if there were any new crop circles. And indeed, I, as we got almost to our destination in the bus, I could see that there was a field that we had been by the day before. And I recognized that particular field because it had two of the very tall megalithic stones standing in it. Mm-hmm. And then a wall of brick houses beyond you know, the end of the field. So I recognized that field. and And there was a depression in the wheat that was growing there. And I thought, oh my gosh, that might be a new crop circle. So as soon as the bus I was in stopped, I ran down, jumped off the bus, and went to a friend who was following in a rented car and said, guess what? I think right back there, about a half a mile, there there's a new crop circle. And she said, well, get in, let's go into her rented car. And two other ladies happened to hear this, and they said, can we come? Can we come? So we left the whole group, went back, found a way to get into the field on the tractor track. They call them tramway lines. They have nicer words for so many things. Yeah. They're nicer words. And as we walked along the tramway line into a beautiful, fresh, new, vibrant with energy crop circle. And it turned out, make a long story short, that after I got home and had a colleague regress me to that night of seeing the beings coming toward me, that that was the very crop circle that I had been taken for the making of. 
So that was just wonderful. There's a color picture of that crop circle in my book, Crop Circles Revealed. So that was a really wonderful experience. And that allowed me to know, because see, I've been learning all the time. I learn new things about these beings. So it's always fresh for me. It's always new. And it's always something a little bit more than what I had realized before from other people's experiences and mine. And um, so I, I realized that, for one thing, they are the ones who make at least some of the crop circles, which I had thought. <laughs> and that was a nice validation. And that you know, we can really communicate with them if we want to. So if anybody wants to hear from them or talk to them or be with them, uh, and many people ask me if I think that's possible, um, I say, yes, I do think it's possible because it happened to me. But I think for anybody who wants contact with them or wants to get messages from them without really having contact, because there are a lot of people like that. Um, I suggest that they talk to them without being able to necessarily picture who they're talking to or what they're what they look like, but talk and be sincere and really mean it. You have to really mean it, and I think that you have to convince them that you mean it and stay with it for a while because. I would guess that they might not tune in while you're doing this. They might not tune in right away. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You might be half an hour into it, and they and then they click in, and they pick it up, and they would respond to it. So, uh, so don't just say, "Oh, please take me," and that's it. Yeah, right. Well, this well, I'm really up. amazed at the number of people whom I've met. Who um not I have not worked with them, I've not regressed them, but I've still met many, many people who would dearly love to be able to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Some people would even really love to have experiences of going out into space with them. Yeah. And yet probably mo I would guess most people on the earth say, Oh no. Yeah. Oh, I don't want that kind of experience. Right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love for you to do me one quick favor, which is to think of one person who would benefit from hearing this content. Let them know you're thinking of them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you. And I look forward to the next meditation conversation.